Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 194, being recorded on Thursday, October 24th. 2019. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, I want to start this off with a deeply personal question of personal nature, uh, and I know this is probably a little awkward to just jump into on a podcast, but do you have your episode nine Star Wars tickets yet? They just went on sale. Uh, I know they went on sale. I do not have them, and I know you're probably mad at me. Um, I'm, I'm not, not that... because I got you an extra ticket. So uh, all you have to do is buy a plane ticket to RDU, and you can come watch it with me. It, it's as likely I'll be in RDU as Chicago on that day. So <laughs> it's uh, okay. December well, 20th, It's right? an open offer to you. So if, if you have a hard time getting tickets, let me know. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I just am not a good enough planner to know that I could get a babysitter on December 20th. So we didn't buy tickets. And I have to admit, a total Star Wars newbie move. I'm somewhere when the tickets went for sale and I got like a push notification on my phone. And I'm like, wait, how did I miss this? Is the movie about to be released and I missed it? And of course, it's they're selling tickets too much oh, early. Come on, dude. I know, that's, I know. That's embarrassing. I'm going to edit that out of the podcast so people think I'm cooler like you are. <laughs> uh speaking of star wars the the even before then we have a big event the new series mandalorian premieres on it's kind of one of the launch uh, pieces of content for disney plus and that comes out november 12th so as star wars fans we're going to have two big drops within what is that like you know 40 days so it's gonna be pretty exciting and uh i gotta be honest the buzz on mandalorian may actually be bigger than episode nine rise of rise of skywalker so it's going to be it's exciting frothy times for star wars fans yeah it is for sure there's uh it feels like that uh launch is going to be successful for a variety of reasons um i know you wouldn't read the trade press but um uh, my company pubasis uh won the, the the marketing contract to market disney plus so uh so i've been uh inundated and surrounded by disney plus content very cool. Does that mean we can see the content early as friends of yours? No, I have. When I say surrounded by Disney content, I mean promotional materials for the. I don't mean the actual show content. Unfortunately, yeah. Dang it. Yeah, I'll be somewhere with you on November twelfth. But this is not a Star Wars podcast. If you've, if this is your first time you've listened to us, you may be confused. This is actually a, a retail e-commerce podcast. Um, Jason, uh, it's a well-known, most listeners know that Jason has, I think, 50 different Alexa devices in his house. Did you uh, jump in on the new Alexa faucet? Uh, uh, yes, I, I am staring. Uh, so this is not an Amazon product. There's a third-party product, but I am staring at a box from Delta Faucet right now, um, which is the Alexa upgrade for my digital kitchen sink. Mm. And I'm, I'm so what commands does it know? Yeah, so I'm a I'm on off utterly convinced this is going to be the least useful home automation product I've ever owned. But Do I you had have the Alexa toilet, but I had to have it. No, uh, <laughs> okay. the yeah, uh, so the long story on the Alexa toilet, 
like when you hear about it, you're like, oh, my God, do I really need Alexa to flush a toilet? Um, the theory is it's a it's an op, it's a very expensive way to put on an Alexa device in your bathroom. And the hope is that it would control music lights and your shower in your bathroom, which kind of makes sense. Right. Like walk in and have some some uh, music playing in the, the proper lights and have your shower preheat. So you you uh, get in when it's all toasty. Does the music come out of the toilet? Uh, it does not. Okay. Wait, are you talking about, I'm confused. Are you talking about the faucet or the toilet at this point? I, well, so I was, ta- I pivoted to the toilet because you went there. <laughs> okay. Um, and the, the, the toilets are these Kohler toilets that are a few that have an Alexa embedded in them. Okay. Um, and the one that's most like talked about because it's so ridiculous, there is a $10,000 toilet that has the additional amenity of it has a motorized lid. So in addition to, Flushing this toilet can, in fact, uh, put the lid up and down by voice commands, and it also has a multicolor LED, so you can set your own color scheme for your toilet. Very cool. And then uh, tell us more about the faucet. Yeah, so the faucet is a Delta product, um, and it lets you so you can turn off and on the faucet. Uh, you can specify a water temperature. Like not a specific degrees, but you can say hot water or cold water, um, and then you can specify a volume. So you can say, like uh, Alexa, fill the delta fa- uh, ask the delta faucet for sixty ounces of water. Mm. Very cool. Uh, unfortunately, this is the only time we can talk about it because once you get it installed, we you you can't talk about it without turning the water on and off. So yeah, I had to hit. I had to hit mute on the device in this room, like when I realized you were going to ask me about the faucet. So we're safe. Um, and uh, yeah, this is an upgrade to an already smart faucet that Delta sells. So it also has like its own website um, and uh, it's touch sensitive. So you, so if you don't want to use voice, you can touch anywhere on the metal fixture to turn off and on the faucet, which that feature is I have actually found to be useful. And I now can't use anyone else's kitchen sink because I just touch their Tap sink it and nothing and, happens yeah exactly like, what's wrong with this thing yeah i've lost what, the ability these to use people live in like 19 2019 yeah. the flintstones exactly cool well uh if this is your first time listening to our podcast it is not a star wars podcast nor is it a plumbing podcast but our actual topic du jour is an amazon q3 hot take uh it wouldn't be a jason scott show without talking about amazon <laughs> Amazon News. Your margin is their opportunity. So it was an interesting week in e-commerce. Uh, we had uh, back-to-back uh, eBay and Amazon releases. Um, so I kind of want to set the table before we dig into some of the specifics. The first of all, the, the the kind of the macro table is Q3 is really important in the world of e-commerce because it's the lead-in quarter into the all-important fourth quarter, which is the holiday quarter, um, and. Um, you know, in, it, it still is true, even though Amazon has Prime Day and, and you know, we don't see uh, entities like Toys R Us anymore um, in that separate category. That used to be a category where you had like 70, 80 percent of, of their business done in Q4. But we still all of retail does see a supersized Q4. So it's a very important uh time frame and so uh we like to we like to kind of it also kicks off kind of our holiday coverage on the podcast so we kind of read the tea leaves of q3 and then we're going to start to get some of the 
um, forecast of holiday coming in. Um, and then that'll tee us up to then talk about the results of things like Singles Day and then Black Friday, Cyber Monday and, and all that good stuff. So this is kind of the kickoff to holiday season, oddly enough, even though, you know, I'm here in October, it doesn't feel like we're quite that yet there yet. And here, uh, this may make you jealous, Jason, here in North Carolina, we had like an 85 degree day. So it doesn't feel Christmassy yet, uh, but definitely right around the corner. But you are drinking a, like a peppermint latte, right? No, not yet. Not yet. Wait till I have to wait till after Halloween to get in the spirit. Okay. So eBay announced yesterday and Amazon announced today. And uh, first of all, a quick disclaimer, when we when we talk about these kind of financial results on the Jason and Scott show, we always like to go with the constant currency measures. In, in U.S. results, it doesn't matter. But when Amazon, eBay, and these other folks announce international, uh, you could talk about euros and then convert that to dollars. But that that exposes uh, the results to the vagaries of currency changes. So currency, constant currency, you look at euros versus euros or um, pesos versus pesos, whatever the currency is. So it's a more true indication of the actual growth rate of the company stripping out the, the different currency exchange rates between periods. Um, and in retail, we always look at year over year because of all the seasonality that we have in retail. Okay, that being said, um, eBay was interesting because you had the setup there of in September, uh, the CEO kind of shockingly announced his departure. And I think he used Twitter as the platform for that, which is highly unusual. We've had a lot of CEO departures lately and in, in just all of public companies, uh, Under Armour, for example, um, had one as well. Um, so the CEO there, Devin Wenig, he got out of line with the board. Um, I think the board wants to break parts of eBay uh, further apart. So they, they kind of obviously split out PayPal uh, about a year and a half ago now. Uh, and I think uh, the board wants to split out their classifieds division and StubHub. And I think Devin didn't, wasn't on, uh, on board with that. So they, they kind of split up. Um, but it's always scary when someone leaves a company kind of before the quarters announced. So there's a little bit of pins and needles going on around what's going on inside of there. Um, and, you know, sure enough, eBay has been on a little bit of a decline and their GMV went uh, into negative territory on a year over year growth rate to minus 5%. Um, a year ago, their year ago comparison, so Q3 of 18 to 17 was plus 5%. So that's a 10% swing of a really, really, you know, pretty large pool of GMV there. Uh, so, so eBay is losing share. And, you know, there's in the world of eBay, there's a lot of different reasons why I, I kind of feel like uh, Amazon is a net kind of reason for that. Um, uh, eBay definitely kind of plays that more value oriented consumer and Amazon, the convenience oriented consumer, the bifurcation we talk a lot about on the show. So I think there is a world, or there is room for eBay. I just think they're not really executing really well. And they've been distracted by a lot of these kind of corporate you know, mechanics that they're dealing with, like the split of eBay, PayPal, and now StubHub and all this kind of stuff. So heading, so so that was kind of a little bit of a dark cloud over the world of e-commerce and, and even retail. Um, and then uh, today we had Amazon and the setup for Amazon is they announced that they were taking Prime from two day uh, service level to one day in April. And, and they even, they've talked about how, you know, there's something like 50 million Prime eligible products. And they talked about how kind of each quarter they would add 10 to 12 million uh, uh, products uh, into the one day Prime bucket. Um, and it's clearly on the site, you know, you when you add something to your cart or even before then, you, you, you can see if it's two day Prime or one day Prime. So what Amazon's been doing is turning that dial and trying to get the bulk of the Prime uh, eligible products to be one day instead of just two day. Uh, so 
Um, so that that's interesting. And, uh, you know, what, so, so let's dig into the results. Hey, so Scott, the, yeah, I was just going to say one fun fact before you jump into the actual Amazon results about, uh, eBay CEOs, another one of the surprising CEO changes last week was, uh, Mark Parker, the CEO of Nike announced that he was stepping down. Um, and the, the reason I bring that up is, his replacement was announced, who is John Donahue, who I think used to be a CEO at eBay. Yeah, it's Donahue. And um, it's really interesting because the CFO of eBay uh, in John's regime is now the CEO of Intel. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I, I oddly, I'm not a name dropper, and uh, but I have like a Forrest Gump weird thing where I have met some folks that are somewhat famous. So I now know the CEO of uh, Nike and Intel. Isn't that strange? That's uh, not remotely surprising to me, but very cool. Uh, it feels feels odd. Um, and here I am wearing Crocs. So, man, I need to get some Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> they're Star Wars Crocs. That's They're, they're on brand for me. Uh, okay. So digging into Amazon's Q3 results, the, the good news, so it's kind of a good news, bad news kind of a thing. The good news is one day Prime has really accelerated demand. So uh, year-over-year revenue for Amazon grew 24% in the third quarter. Um, and here's kind of the trajectory. So the first quarter in the U.S., this is, so this is North America, um, the growth was 17%. And then in Q2, 20%. And now in Q3, 24%. So that's four percentage points higher than Q2. And, and uh, so that that's pretty impressive. Um, and then internationally uh, also saw acceleration to 21%. So when you blend those together, Amazon grew about 22, 23%. The, the international progression goes Q1 of this year, 16%, and then 17%. And now in, in Q3, 21%. So an also about a 4% acceleration on the international side. Um, another metric that we look at really closely is Amazon talks about paid units and they call that unit growth. That's a metric that had slowed down to about 12% um, and it has accelerated to 22%, um, which is its highest rate in the last two years. So, so kind of packaging that together, consumers love one day prime and it has actually accelerated demand materially for, for Amazon, which I think is a really good top line setup going into holiday. Now the, the bad news is this, this comes at a pretty steep cost because, you know, as listeners know the difference between if you went to your, your, any carrier and you said, what's the difference in price between one and two day shipping? Um, it, it's, it's quite pricey, right? So um, Amazon's profits were down 26% on a year-over-year basis, uh, and that created a, a headwind on Wall Street's uh, bottom line estimates because shipping costs effectively grew 46%. Um, this this makes a lot of sense, um, and you know, an Amazon philosophy that uh, that we've talked about on the show, but I live every day is the Amazon philosophy is first figure out demand and then you can figure out the cost. And, um, you know, uh, I'm doing this on a daily basis and it really works. So if you can go, you know, put a product out there and get a lot of demand for it, that creates scale and scale is how you drive the per unit cost down. It, it's hard to solve that equation at the same time. So, so I, I have a lot of confidence that these are one time cost. And what we also see is, and Amazon doesn't report this. We'll see it a little bit later. Um, you know, and, and you talk a lot about this, Jason is we're getting to somewhere around um, and, you know, half of the packages being delivered uh 
are Amazon delivering them. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think, I think as that goes to 100%, that's how they're going to get the cost down is by using that driver network that they've built up. They're taking the third-party shippers increasingly out, and which is a better user experience and more cost-effective. Yeah. Interestingly, they were asked what the the ratio of Amazon delivered packages to carrier delivered packages was on their earnings call. And they sort of coyly dodged the answer to that. Yeah. Um, some people report on it and I'm not exactly sure where they're getting their data. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I can say for me, um, you know, what, when you order from Amazon and you look at the tracking numbers, you can tell if it's a FedEx, UPS, USPS, or our UPS, never see FedEx anymore rarely UPS and, you know, maybe 20% USPS. So I, I'm all, almost at like 70% yeah, Amazon delivery, 80% Amazon delivery. How about you? Uh, also very high. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but Chicago is a, a test market. And so um, we've had like a- Amazon doing their own deliveries long before, that was a program they rolled out and we've, we've actually had one, like all my Amazon packages are one day. So, um, and, and so like there still are some, some UPS and, and, uh, USPS deliveries, but the overwhelming majority of, of mine are Amazon carriers. Um, and I, I think you're right. Like, so Amazon hasn't disclosed the exact breakdown, but there are a couple of these companies that scrape, um, email boxes, Oh yeah, uh, and so that's like uh, Ten Ten Data and Rocketon, what uh, uh, data which intelligence which used to be Slice, and uh, uh, they we talked about it on the show, but they reported like uh, quite quite significant growth in the 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 Amazon delivery percentage, and I'm I'm sure uh, at the end of Q3 it's even much bigger. Yeah, so so what you would call uh, in Wall Street parlance, uh, what you call this quarter is a top line beat and a bottom line miss. So specifically, the the bottom line, and there's a couple different ways to look at this. There's there's gap operating income or earnings per share. Gap operating income came in at 3.16 billion, which was two percent below Wall Street's consensus, and EPS was four dollars and thirty one cents per share versus the street's estimate of four point five six. Now, what's interesting is um, Amazon puts out their own guidance, and Wall Street had crept that up and kind of didn't listen to Amazon. Amazon had tried to tell everyone last quarter, hey, this one day prime thing's kind of expensive. So, you know, we're lowering our EPS and Wall Street kind of, you know, said, oh, you're, you're sandbagging on that. And, and uh, they were wrong and Amazon uh, was right. Um, after hours, this caused the stock to slide um, pretty significantly. It's hard to judge after hours things. We'll have to kind of look tomorrow and, and see what's going on. Uh, but it was down as much as 9%. And of course, you know, everyone uh, was jumping with glee that that Bezos, uh, because of that slide, was no longer the richest man. That that uh, Bill Gates was was back on top. Uh, I will have to kind of see how that goes over the long term. Um, so uh, another kind of cause for concern was Amazon. Also, uh, in the current quarter, they they tell you what their projection is for the next quarter, and their guidance was a midpoint on the revenue side that was below what Wall Street had estimated. Um, about by about four billion. Um, that sounds like a huge amount, but at Amazon scale, um, that's a couple points, um, uh, percentage points. So specifically, uh, the guidance was a bottom range of eight. This is this is for revenue um, or, or sales, eighty billion to eighty six point five billion. That gives you a midpoint of eighty three and a quarter billion, um, and that implies a fifteen percent growth rate. And that was, and Wall Street had kind of thought it would be about a twenty percent growth rate. 
so, so here's so so I put out a lot of data there, and and so let's go back up to thirty thousand feet. Uh, I've been following Amazon for for a good fifteen plus years, and they're always pretty prudent going into Q4 because you do have you know. Right. Sitting here today, we know the consumer's in pretty good shape. The economy's in pretty good shape. But we've got a lot of potential negatives out there around these tariffs. And, and you know, there's a lot of talk of recessions coming and a lot of noise in the market. Um, so it's always prudent to be pretty conservative going into Q4, especially because it is such a big quarter. Um, but you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and call it. A, a, aside from some externality that that I can't see, I, I think they're just going to absolutely blow that away, that midpoint. And and I think I think even the top end of the range is pretty conservative, um, because you know what what you see in Q3 is it's really clear consumers love one day prime. It's accelerated this business, and, and what's really amazing to me is uh, you know this is a 300 billion dollar business accelerating its revenue up to 23%. Uh, you, you know, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. You know, Walmart is kind of this, this kind of general size and growing, you know, you know, low single digits, like, you know, for Walmart to accelerate uh, their business to 24%, you know, something like they'd have to like add 24% more stores or their e-commerce would have to go up like, I don't know what the math is, probably like 300% or something like that. You know, so, so we've never seen a company scale like this um, in the world of retail. Now, some of the pure digital companies like a Facebook, a Microsoft, a Google, they've had periods of acceleration like this, but never a company that has you know, warehouses and shipping products and these kinds of things. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so to kind of help we're talking about such big numbers. I always kind of like to try to ground it in something we can all kind of get our mental image around. So, so here's my stab at that. And we'll, we'll see if this lands with you. Um, at a, so Amazon is forecasting about an $80 billion fourth quarter. Each percent they grow in there is 800 million. Um, a JC penny is uh, they do 3 billion a quarter. So effectively each 4% that Amazon grows in fourth quarter is a JC penny market share. Uh, an entire JC Penny. So, um, you know, at like a 24% growth, like let's say their growth is straight line from Q3 to Q4 and it's 24%. That is, um, that's essentially six JC Pennies that, that Amazon's going to kind of, you know, incrementally take out of the market um, if they grow that much year over year. So, uh, last thought, um, if you, if you kind of piece this together and you look at Amazon's growth trajectory. Here's kind of what 2019 looks like. And, and let me see if you can pick out the data point that doesn't really kind of fit in here. So Q1, they did 17% year-over-year growth. Q2, 19%. Q3, 22%. And now they're saying, oh, Q4 is going to be 15%. Um, do we really think Amazon's going to slow down to their slowest quarter in the fourth quarter after they've spent all this money and time getting everything to one day prime? If you actually kind of look at that trend, you could kind of say, well, I could see that it could be 23, 24%. So, um, so the, you know, the last thought is Wall Street is really fickle right now. So eBay did better on the bottom line, but didn't show growth and got punished. Amazon showed tremendous growth at the scale and got punished. So, you know, when, when the world's saying you're kind of in a lose-lose situation, you might as well just kind of like rip the Band-Aid off and be super conservative out there. Um, and what I think's got the market in this kind of choppy waters is the the rough IPOs that have come out from Uber and Lyft. They've, they're 
been withdrawals of IPOs. And then WeWork has got uh, the whole market kind of spooked in that, you know, you had this company set to go public at something like, you know, $50 billion. And now it just had to raise capital at $8 billion. So uh, bottom line, um, Bill Gates, I know you listen to the podcast and so does Jeff Bezos. Uh, don't worry, Jeff. I think you'll be back on top of Bill here shortly. Yeah. And I, as you're saying that, I'm getting like IMs from Bill and he's like pointing out, uh, dude, I'm trying to give away all my money. So <laughs> yeah, he's stroking $500 million checks here and there. So it, it's uh, yeah, he's doing his best. Exactly. Uh, so I, 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 I'm not sure it is his aspiration to stay ahead of Jeff. Um, yeah. So that that was quite the earnings call. Um, I am curious, like I, I'm with you on the revenue side for sure. It seems like uh, one day shipping is going to drive a lot of incremental revenue for Q4. Um, I guess the the bigger question is like how how expensive that will be, and and you know is there a commensurate drag down on earnings as a result of a lot more expensive deliveries for Q4. Yeah, they, they framed that on the call. I forget the exact amount, but they, they had put in a pretty... Um, it's a big number. It's 1.5 uh, pretty big number. Billion. And I I suspect you know that number is the number if they had 24% growth and they've put in 15%. So I think they've padded that. Uh, but you are, you know, if they have a blowout quarter, I think they could have a blowout bottom line. Now, I think what we'll see, Amazon thinks in, in kind of 10-year chunks. I think you know over the next five years, you're going to see them incrementally you know get those they will figure out a way to get one day prime to cost the same as two day prime and uh, you kind of have to get it to scale first but then what's going to be killer is once they figure that out then they can probably just turn the dial on same day prime and probably without too much cost um you know uh, it's not going to be as big of a jump. Um, it'll probably be like half or less the jump from two to one day to same day. Um, so, so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, how do I compete with Amazon? That's, that's what you're up against, you know? So they're, they're going to be, because they know that this is so clearly created so much demand for consumers, they're going to continue to turn the dial on, on this, you know, lowering the the shipping time on prime and putting more and more SKUs into it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. I, I feel like the, they're very confident that however much pain it takes them to get to one day shipping, it it will be orders of magnitude more painful for anyone else to match them because no one has close to their their fulfillment infrastructure. Right. So, you know, if if they give themselves a cold um, by doing this, like they're giving their competitors Ebola. Um, so very good play. There was an interesting comment from Bezos on uh, uh he was playing up the fact that one day delivery is greener than two day delivery, which was not immediately intuitive. But what he's saying is ultimately the only way we'll, we'll cost effectively get to one day delivery everywhere is uh, way better logistics and staging more of what people want closer to those people. Like it's just not going to be possible to put stuff on planes every day for next day delivery. And so. So his, you know, it, it's it, per your point, it seems like they're just investing in the infrastructure to, you know, stage more goods closer to customers and get them there quickly um, via cost effective delivery me- mechanisms, mostly their own. So and the interns chimed in while while you were chatting um, and the the that data point we had from Rocketon Intelligence has Amazon at 47 percent of their own packages. 
So yeah, just I knew it was kind of around half. That's a little bit. I haven't seen them update that in, since kind of like the spring. So yeah, no. So it very likely has passed, and that that update still had one point six percent of packages being delivered by FedEx, which is now zero. So yeah, um, yeah. So uh, interesting. Yeah, all interesting stuff. That uh, one of the things I noticed about the earnings call, um, they hired a hundred thousand people in Q three, which is a big number. Um, and it's very likely uh, that a lot of those people are delivery drivers and extra those, shifts in warehouses. Those are 1099. They wouldn't show up in here. I uh, think it's well, probably warehouse. And they're adding to AWS like crazy right now. Yeah. but the, So not all delivery drivers are 1099. So, for example, a lot of the, the um, Chicago delivery f- uh, force are W-2 employees. Yeah. So there's probably some union thing. There's a blend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not uh, getting in there as the as all the teachers are on strike here in Chicago this week. Um, but uh, yeah, so huge hiring thing. Uh, Colin Sebastian um, from Baird, like he he called that hiring number the most surprising metric in the report. Um, I always like to keep an eye on the brick and mortar number, which in the overall scheme of Amazon isn't isn't a a hugely financially relevant number. Um, but it is interesting because it is absolutely going down, not the rate of growth. It, like uh, brick and mortar sales on Amazon actually declined. And when we say uh, brick and mortar sales, what we're m- really saying is Whole Foods because the rest of the Amazon fleet isn't really economically significant enough to impact the Whole Foods numbers. Um, so, Whole Foods sales are lower today than they were in 2017 when Amazon acquired them, which is pretty interesting. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of buzz about some new retail formats that are, you know, seem like they're very close to opening. And you know, everyone's speculating that there's a new grocery format that's going to open in Los Angeles here uh, imminently. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do because, you know, as we both have observed. Uh, Amazon doesn't always win with their first effort in something, but, uh, you know, they also don't tend to tuck their tails between their legs and retreat. Like, yeah. Um, so that's going to be big. Uh, you mentioned AWS, uh, that is also, uh, declining its growth rate, which, you know, uh, was pretty prodigious. So they were, they grew at 37% last quarter and they're, they dropped down to 35%. Um, like, you know, there's a myth that gets repeated too much that all of Amazon's profit is AWS. That's not true. Um, retail is profitable, but but AWS is the biggest contributor to profit. And so, you know, the fact that it's still growing at 35% um, is certainly very robust. And obviously the law of large numbers is that you, you would expect that rate of growth to to be slowing. And what's interesting is, you know, they have two competitors, Google and Microsoft, who they sort of had a six-year head start over. Um, and so they have much bigger share than either of those two competitors. We've actually seen those competitors' rates of growth, which are, you know, they're much smaller businesses, slowing worse than Amazon. So it seems like there's a little bit of plateauing in these cloud services, and it's, you know, and Amazon is the least affected by that plateau. So, um you know, I would call that mostly positive signs for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know uh, you are a big fan of the marketplace side at uh, uh, 
of, of the Amazon business and, you know, the, the marketplace sellers have for a while accounted for over half of all sales uh, on Amazon, but the, it seems like the mix slightly declined this quarter. So it went from uh, 54% last quarter to 53% this quarter. Um, and I'm assuming that's because 100% of Amazon stuff is probably one day prime and a lot of the, and, and some, you know, a significant amount of the, the 3P is not one day prime. And so the, the shift to one day prime probably um, gooses uh, first party sales a little bit disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Lee? Could be. Uh, and then the last thing that I, I always like to follow um, in these earnings calls is the advertising business, right? And so this is uh, sort of famously listed as other in, in Amazon parlance. Um, but other grew 45%. Um, so that was $3.6 billion in revenue in the quarter. Um, and, uh, uh, Brian, the CFO, uh, like answered a question about ad revenue and he kind of, uh, confirmed what we had all been saying. Uh, other revenue is principally advertising. Advertising grew at 45%. Um, and, and, you know, Advertising is the biggest part of other. In fact, advertising had to grow bigger than 45% to, to cause other overall to grow at 45%. So, so the ad piece of business in Amazon is actually growing even bigger than 45%. Yeah, there's um, and kind of in this kind of to riff on the ad thing, there was a couple reports out. Um, there's a, I don't know, is this a competitor of yours or part of your firm? There's Merkel put out some stuff about, um, you know, some trends they saw. Uh, I thought it was even more interesting, though, eMarketer had a report out where for the first time that I've seen, uh, you can fact check me on this, they they talk about search um, ownership or, or search kind of the, the pie chart of, of search. And it's kind of always been boring to look at this because it's kind of like Google it 90%. And then you have like a little bit of of Microsoft <laughs> and a little bit of Verizon and like, you know, ask G's from ask or something like that. Um, so uh, for the first time, Amazon is listed as number two with about 13% share of search. Um, so it seems like they're now kind of expanding the definition of search from what we would kind of think of as that, you know, that, you know, ask Google anything kind of a search to include product search. Uh, and when you do that, Amazon has, you know, is, kind of, you know, cross the materiality threshold. We've all known this because there's been surveys that just look at product search and Amazon's ahead of Google in that. So this is another kind of interesting awakening out there in the ad world that, you know, Amazon is actually competing with Google in a really interesting way that, that a lot of people don't think about. Oh yeah. Uh, And I, I think it's very clear that Amazon is taking advertising dollars from Google. Um, the, like I, I'm, I'm slightly skeptical about some of the like surveys that say Amazon is leading Google in product search because I would just point out those tend to be tiny surveys of like 2,000 users, and they're just kind of these like silly stated surveys. Like they just ask people, and nobody has a consistent definition of what a product search is, right? So if if I type pizza, is that in your definition of a product search? You're searching for a product, a pizza. Um, you know, there's a lot more pizza searches that happen on Google than that happen on Amazon. Um, so, you know, to really have Amazon surpass Google, you have to have a pretty narrow definition of product. But 
But I, I absolutely think like in that narrow definition, Amazon is very big. They're generating a bunch of dollars. Those dollars are clearly coming from Google. And what's super interesting to me is um, Amazon actually had their first conference for advertisers this year uh, at the very beginning of October. Um, so the second and third in in Seattle. And the big takeaway from this conference was uh, that they don't just want to be a search advertising engine. So um, the the huge focus was on uh, uh, using Amazon for what we would call top of funnel advertising. So like high level brand building, not just the very specific product searches. Um, and, you know, they're they're one of the biggest media properties out there with traffic to Amazon and all their video properties and everything else. So it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's it's totally credible that, you know, Amazon has its set, set not just on Google's product search, but on its its entire ad business. Yeah. Interesting. So that being said, uh, there's actually a fair amount of other interesting Amazon news over the last couple of weeks that we should we should cover briefly um, I, I mentioned Amazon had their their first advertising con, uh, conference, AdCon. Um, so that's interesting. You know, Amazon's conference for for AWS is actually a quite big event now. So you, it won't surprise me to see this advertising uh, show start to uh, expand dramatically as well. Um, I actually saw an interesting article this week um, from a former uh, guest of our show, and I, I'm going to massacre joe's last name do you know how to pronounce it properly or uh no, let's call him joe yeah so we're going to call him a joe k um and uh he he wrote a, a he'd been studying all the private labels on amazon and he noticed that like 32 of the 100 apparel brands that amazon has launched are no longer for sale on amazon so sort of highlighting the fact that that a lot of those those like quickly launched uh, uh, house brands like don't appear to have a lot of legs and Amazon has has uh, taken them down, which is interesting. Uh, another news item that really caught my eye, uh, uh, first written about by Jason Delray and then confirmed on the earnings call today. Um, it seems like Amazon is scaling way back on um uh, sort of enforcing what they historically have called CRAP, which is the acronym for can't realize a profit. Uh, you know, historically, Amazon, you know, has put a lot of pressure on manufacturers to make products profitable to sell. And what that usually means is they don't want to sell um, items that are difficult to ship and that are inexpensive. So you can't buy a single roll of paper towels, for example, that, you know, costs $2 and is pretty bulky. Um and historically, they would do things like ha- make that an add-on only sale that you can only add to a box when you had a bunch of other stuff in the box, or they'd ask the manufacturer to provide a bigger bundle or things like that. Um, and it now seems like Amazon is much more content to sell one or two dollar items and include them in the Amazon Prime one day shipping. Um, and so a lot of items that were formerly add-on only are now available for sale with free shipping, which... Um, you know, again, says that like Amazon appears to be willing to forego some profitability in exchange for uh, fulfilling customer demand and catching more more share um, per your your point earlier. Um, and I assume the the strategy is you get a big enough share of wallet, you do a bunch of deliveries, they all become much more cost effective by just you know uh, habitualizing the customer to buy everything from you. Um. 
Amazon's been expanding this program they call Amazon Counter. So there are now a bunch of retailers in addition to Kohl's that you can um, have your packages shipped to and pick up. So uh, Rite Aid is in there. Um, uh, a number of other retailers are now providing the amenity of letting you uh, ship Amazon packages to their store and come pick them up there. Um, so that's an interesting play. I think just today, Amazon announced that they bought a new health company, which is called Health Navigator. Uh, so listeners may remember that Amazon uh, bought PillPack a, uh, a couple of years ago. So this is a second acquisition in this space. And uh, my understanding is that Health Navigator is primarily like online uh, symptom checking and remote diagnosis. So it sounds like some sort of front end tool that you could imagine Amazon building into a future health offering. And, you know, Amazon has already announced that they're doing a health pilot for their employees, and they've said they'll use this as part of the the offering for their employees. So it seems like they're, as everyone expects, continuing to invest in health. Um, the most interesting private label announcement I've seen from Amazon in a while is a product I wouldn't have necessarily expected them to private label. They launched their own brand of gin uh, last week. Um, so we may have to do a a test on on uh, this show for one of our episodes, Scott. But uh, they they invented a new brand uh, called Tovis, and they're they're now selling their own premium gin. Yep, seems like a deep dive. We could tie it into a fun drinking game. Exactly. I'm sure there already are some bad drinking games for our podcast. Uh, a drink every time Jason says "um," for example, would be a good one. Uh, <laughs> and I just caused you two drinks right there. So a. Uh, one that got a bunch of buzz that I don't think is so surprising. Amazon prints this uh, holiday catalog every year, a physical catalog uh, that you know mostly focuses on what all the hot toys are going to be. And it came to light that Amazon sells slots on that in that catalog, so you can you know pay to have your products listed as the hot hot toys for the holiday. Um, retailers have been doing that for a long time. It's not super surprising. the The slight nuance here is. When uh, someone buys an ad on Amazon.com, Amazon does denote that as a paid ad. Like they they put a sponsored badge on it, and the catalog doesn't have a disclaimer like that. So it, it does sort of look like Amazon's claiming its editorial content, and so you know it may surprise some listeners to, or viewers to know that they could uh, that a lot of the products in that catalog could be in there because the the manufacturer paid for them. And then uh, the the final thing that I think is worth pointing out to our listeners is there were two really interesting long-form articles primarily about Amazon and maybe even more about Jeff Bezos that came out in the last couple of weeks. Um, and so I'll put links in the show notes to both of them, uh, but one of them is called Jeff Bezos' Master Plan, and uh, that was in The Atlantic. Um, and th- this is a really long-form long article kind of talking about the five phases of Jeff Bezos evolution from his sort of pre Amazon age to uh, sort of his, his space in Hollywood age today. And it, it's a really interesting deep dive into some of his personality traits and how they've helped help the company grow. And then there was also a really long expose in the New Yorker that was called is Amazon unstoppable. And uh, uh, it, you know, the big premise there was, Amazon is dominant not because they have a particularly, you know, a single interesting product or capability or 
piece of IP that the real secret sauce of Amazon is the Amazon culture and the business process that they've adopted. And so it, it focuses a lot on Jeff and the leadership style and the culture and process that they've instilled in the premises um, that, that, that culture has served them really well to dominate a bunch of different industries. So both really good reads if you haven't seen them. Yeah, the spoiler alert, uh, the answer is Amazon's probably unstoppable. Yeah, uh, I think that might be the conclusion. They're both a little balanced. So they both like admire a lot of Jeff Bezos' traits, and they also probably point out some some things that like some of us might view as personality flaws. So uh, I'll leave it to the to listeners to uh, draw their own conclusions. But um, they're pretty interesting. And Scott, that's going to be a good place to leave it because we've uh, slightly surpassed the amount of time that we budgeted for uh, tonight's show. But as always, if... We've spawned a question or a comment. Feel free to continue the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and as always, if this is the show that uh, finally got you over the hump, we'd love it if you jump over to iTunes and give us that five-star review. That's really the best way to thank us for producing all this content. Thanks, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this Q3 Amazon hot take. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 